Menace to Sports is brought to you by Progressive. Are you driving your car or doing laundry right now? Podcasts go best when they're bundled with another activity, like Progressive Home and Auto Policies. They're best when bundled, too. Having these two policies together makes insurance easier and could help you save. Customers who save by switching their home and car insurance to Progressive save over $775 on average. Quote a home and car bundle today at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. National average 12-month savings is $779 by new customers surveyed who save with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary, not available in all states. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. It is Friday, October 8th. Got another big weekend with some big games, some national uh, implication games with Iowa Penn State. And and I want to start off and just talk about how it's funny. I had a conversation with a good friend of mine about how I, I think they the the national media, they really do a great job right about now, right? The turn into October of hyping teams up. I mean, astronomically hyping them up to cr- kind of hype up these huge October matchups and really drive TV ratings, drive interest, you know, and as it shakes out, you know, huge upsets happen and you look at the the film and the analytics and you're like, was that a huge upset? I don't think it was, right? You kind of kind of like the the NC State over Clemson or the uh some uh some of these upsets that happened that that we talked about on the show that didn't they weren't upsets at all. And I'm looking at one today is Iowa number 3 versus number 4 Penn State. And we're going to talk break it down intensely, but I'm sitting here like Iowa's the third best team in the country. Like that's we're really we're really riding with that narrative, um, and we'll talk about it in a minute. But I wanted to start the show and just talk about how it's it's really interesting to see how the national news, national sports media hypes up certain teams to that happen to play each other in October, right? Like if Iowa Penn State was in November and Iowa had a lackluster October, would they be hyped up to number three right now? My opinion, they'd be about seven. And then if they win out October, some of those games they should win, then they'll hype them up high to try to get a huge matchup in their November game. So that's just my opinion. But uh, while we're uh, while we're kind of previewing the show, make sure if you could, we have our tailgate going on tomorrow. So if you're on campus, stop by. Just stop by, come check it out. Even if you don't come in, we'll be out front also. Braxton will be around. I'll be around. We'll come say hello. Just come say what's up Say and just holler at us. What's up, menaces? And uh, and then also check out we are, our huge tailgate for Penn State. Uh, Halloween weekend. Spend Halloween with myself, Menace to Sports, and Braxton Miller down on the, at the point on lane before what's inevitably going to be uh, one of the top two games in the Midwest and in the Big Ten Conference of the season, right? Obviously, depending on how some of these teams fare out, we can have an end-of-the-year matchup that is monumental in the rivalry game. But uh, looking forward to that. We're, we're going to talk about Oklahoma-Texas, the Red River shootout, talk about Iowa-Penn State. I'm going to give you my thoughts just on the kind of the the slate of games tomorrow and tonight. There's a good one tonight as Cincinnati takes on Temple uh, not going to be a great game, but but I'm interested to give you my thoughts on that. And then also just going to talk about Maryland, who they are as they come into the horseshoe to take on an Ohio State team that's really kind of hitting their stride right now. So uh, 
just it's excited for the weekend. Two big games. Obviously excited to watch the Buckeyes and see if they can continue their improvements as they go to make a run to the Penn State game on Halloween. So thank you for tuning in. Thank you for listening. And uh, let's get to the show. Watches downfield. It's Olave. He's got a touchdown. Ohio State. Why am I talking to you? You're not even in football. Yeah. Did you even play to the high school level? You took journalism. It's a bunch of nerds. Interrupting people who know what they're doing. <laughs> it goes to the corner, dies to the corner. He didn't get there. No, they say he did. And Indiana wins. The commissioner could literally punt a baby with his wingtips on. I'm still going to watch on Sunday. Looking for the deep ball. Touchdown, Ohio State. Garrett Olsen. I don't condone the man's actions, but it's football. I have to watch it. This is all I have. On first down, it's Brees Hall. He doesn't go down. He might go all the way. He stays on his feet again and scores. I wasn't going to hit a woman, but then that guy in the Ravens did it, so I guess it's okay. All right, we're gonna, this is going to be a little bit shorter show. Um, been swamped with this damn tailgate stuff. But also, not as many great games to talk about. And I had a big-time interview that, that fell through. It'll be on next week, so don't you worry. It's coming. But that was the plan for the show. You guys are going to be excited to hear from this person. But anyways, let's just talk about the slate of college football. The first game that, I, you know, is kind of the, the scorn little brother game, right? Two little brothers were, were scorched last weekend. Arkansas traveling to Ole Miss. And will Matt Corral in that offense? kind of refine themselves, refine their identity against a decent Arkansas defense. I think it's a big game for Lane Kiffin. Probably not going to talk about get your popcorn ready anymore. I did think it was hilarious the number of uh, other SEC fan bases that sent popcorn to Lane Kiffin's office. And I also thought he handled it the way you should handle it, right? He talked a little shit, was a little flamboyant before the game, got his ass handed to him and came out and was like, listen, I've been wrong before. I'll be wrong again. You know, it's all in good fun. You got to be able to laugh at yourself sometime. But uh, I really look for this Ole Miss team to bounce back. So I'm taking Ole Miss at home against Arkansas. think it'll be a, a decent game, entertaining game. I probably won't watch it because of the other games slated at that time slot. And then Georgia, number two Georgia travels to Auburn. This is an interesting game for me because I think Georgia is still phony on offense. Now, the fact that they've been able to put up points and move the ball with Stetson Bennett, no receivers, and an, a decent run game is, I mean, it's, I guess it's admirable. It's, it's impressive, right? But at some point, that luck is going to run out. I don't think Auburn is a defensive giant, but I think they will poise problems for Georgia. I really do. Now, I'm not, I, I don't, I think everyone who listens to the show knows my feeling on Bo Nix. He's as average as the day is long. I don't think you can trust him to win a game or even keep a game close. My initial inclination was to take Auburn with the points. But I just can't trust Bo Nix. Georgia certainly wins the game. Uh, I don't think this is even an upset alert. But it's going to be interesting to see if uh, if this offense can move the ball because Auburn's probably the best defense Georgia's faced today. At yeah, Clemson probably, but this is a much different Georgia team. So can they move the ball against Auburn? That's what I want to know. And when will some of these receivers come back for Georgia? I mean, we need to see Kiaris Jackson on that field, right? We need to see at least a premier wide receiver one. They don't need to be loaded four deep with NFL talent, but can we at least get one or two? If so, I think this Georgia, I think this Georgia team is the best team in the country right now anyways. But the offense is, is, is their Achilles heel, without a doubt. So obviously taking Georgia on the road in a game against Auburn. My upset alert of the weekend, 
Notre Dame at Virginia Tech. I'm calling a Virginia Tech win. I just, I still, th- obviously, Notre Dame lost to Cincinnati. I think they're licking their wounds right now. I still don't think they are worth a shit on offense. Their defense is very good. <clears throat> I would probably take the under in the game also, because Virginia Tech is not a great offensive power either. But uh, Notre Dame at Virginia Tech, that'll be a fun one to watch on upset alert. And then the most, I don't know, confusing line in the country right now is Michigan minus three at Nebraska. I get it. It's at Nebraska. I get it. Nebraska is a much improved team from their loss week one to Illinois. But this Michigan team's looked hot. Now, I'm not ready to buy all the way in on Michigan yet. I need to see their offense really have a great game like Ohio State did against Rutgers. I don't care the opponent. I want to see Michigan offense cook. You know, drive after drive, just cook. That's what I want to see. And this is a great opportunity against a decent defense in Nebraska to show that off, to do that, right? And so I'm taking Michigan three minus three. I think they cover. I'm taking Michigan minus three. I think they cover on the road at Nebraska. I'm, I'm really excited to see if Cade McNamara can keep growing as a quarterback and see if this if Jim Harbaugh's team can be for real. The other game is, uh, is Bama at A&M. What I thought preseason might be a big matchup. A&M is certainly struggling with a quarterback identity, and they're not near as good as I hoped they would be. But being a 17.5-point favorite on the road against A&M, Bama is getting far too much respect. I know what they did last weekend against Ole Miss. I watched it. We all watched it. But they still aren't as dominant as Bama usually is. Now, it's still midseason. They have time to get there. But minus 17 and a half, I'm inclined almost to take A&M plus 17 and a half. Obviously, you probably can't bet the money line on Bama. But if I was going to place a bet on that game, I would take A&M plus 17 and a half. I think Bama wins by 14. I do. I just don't think they go out and steamroll A&M. A&M has a decent defense. They have an identity issue on at quarterback, like I said. But I, I just don't, I don't see Bama. I don't see Bryce Young as the player that everyone else sees him. I think he's really good. But to... The odds on favor to win the Heisman? What are we talking? Is it is college football that bad this year? Is it that down that Bryce Young, from what I've seen on film, is the best college football player in the country? I mean, albeit we, we all know that the Heisman is not given out to the best football player in college football. We know that. But the best quarterback in college football, is he really? I don't think so. I mean, not from what I've seen. I think he's him and CJ Stroud are very similar, to be honest with you. And I think there's other quarterbacks out there that, that could take that title. I really do. The game tonight is going to be fun to watch. Cincinnati is a 30-point favorite at home versus Temple. I know Temple's not great, but is this a letdown kind of letdown week for Cincinnati? They're not going to lose the game. I'm not even saying it's going to be a close game. But coming off a win, like that Notre Dame win, plus a short week now. They played Saturday, and they have to play Friday. So they got a short week, short turnaround. Temple came off a, a big win against Memphis, I believe. Um, a three-point win, so they certainly will be... I kind of have a lag about them or a, a lull about them too. But I, honestly, if I was betting this game, I'd take Temple plus 30. I really think they keep it close since he probably wins by 21. But with a short week, you know, kind of a letdown off of, just think about it. You're a college football player. You just went into Notre Dame and beat the Golden Domers. And then you got to come home to fucking Temple. <laughs> like, I coached at Temple. There's nothing fun for other teams when they see Temple on the schedule. There's just not. So I see a letdown week for Cincy. I think that's that's a damn lock that Temple might can keep it within you know four scores or four scores they still win the bet. So I'm taking Temple plus thirty. But here's the here's what I'm looking forward to. 
I talked about it on Johnny, uh, on the Coach and the Bullet. If you haven't checked it out on YouTube, please check it out. It's a really, I re, I'm really, we're really growing the show. It's just a one episode show on my channel every week with Johnny the Bullet from Scarlet and Great Empire. And um, it's really, I'm excited for this scenario, right? What should happen and probably will happen is the unbeatens after this weekend and moving forward, right? Michigan, Michigan State. Ohio State, Penn State, for the biggest weekend in college football, the scary Halloween, October 30th, and we obviously have a tailgate down on campus for it, so you come hang out with us for it. What a weekend that'll be. Michigan, Michigan State, in a rivalry of unbeatens, we hope, and Ohio State, Penn State, as if Penn State can beat Iowa, and we're going to talk about that game in a minute. You talk about a weekend of college football. Whew. But let's talk about this Ohio State-Maryland game. Obviously, I mean, I'm not going to... I'm not going to go into the deep dive analytics because I don't think Maryland is a great team. I predicted them to be improved this year. They are improved. What are they? Four and one right now, right? They beat West Virginia, Howard, Illinois, Kent. They lost pretty brutally to Iowa. That's going to happen when your quarterback throws five interceptions, which has not been his MO, to be honest with you. So what is Maryland bringing in? So outside of that awful performance that Tualia Tungavailoa, he's what I call the Kroger brand Tua, right? He's not the, the name brand Cocoa Puffs. He's like the, the Kroger band Co Cocoa Snuffs, right? Cocoa Pops, if you will. He, he's, he's a much lesser version of his brother, but he is also this. He's the only player on the offensive side of the ball at Maryland graded on Pro Football Focus over 80%. He has a 92% grade. That is with a horrendous performance against Iowa. He is a good player. He's one of the better quarterbacks Ohio State will face. And here's, you know, you know the analytics I say all the time, right? He's better when he's blitzed. His completion percentage goes up. His TD to interception ratio is eight to one when teams blitz him. His TD to interception ratio is four to five when they don't. Now, part of that is Iowa doesn't blitz. So his five picks were to Iowa. But that's, just, that's, that's an important stat, right? Eight to one touchdown to interception when he's blitzed and his completion percentage is higher when he's blitzed. We've talked about why, right? They're decent in pass pro. They pick it up. They have less guys in coverage and he has a little more room to throw these throws. The other thing that they do at Maryland, holy shit. You watch their film. They launch that fucking ball down the field. Launch it. They've thrown 26 deep balls in five games. Over five a game. Five times a game, they're launching down the field. It'll be a great test for Denzel Burke, Cameron Brown, you know, this, this secondary to Ohio State that is so much improved. It's going to be a great test just from the simple fact that they got to cover 40 yards down the field, right? He's 57% adjusted percentage, uh, completion percentage over 20 yards. He's really, really accurate launching it down the field. That's his, his biggest strength, that and, and obviously playing against blitz coverage. Now, from 10 to 20 yards, that's where he's really exposed. That's where he's not an NFL quarterback. That's where he's not his brother. He has a 37% completion percentage from 10 to 20 yards, right? Now, let's talk about why. Deep balls are trajectory throws, right? When you launch it down the field, you, you know, put air under it, and you, your receivers run under the ball a little bit. You have to have ball placement on high trajectory throws. When you throw a 15-yard throw, that is a throw on the rope, what I call a zero trajectory throw. He's much more inaccurate on those throws. He's not great at them, which bodes well for Ohio State because that's where they get killed. They get killed at that 10-yard mark you know, on, on intermediate throws because they just drop in coverage and don't have much awareness and don't trigger. So he's not very good at it. The other problem Maryland has on offense, they have 16 drops already this year, over three drops per game. So just get ready to watch that. Fucking Butterfingers running around the field with a, a turtle on their helmet. 
That's what's going to happen. So you take away those five interceptions against Iowa. You take away that one performance. Now, albeit, I will say this. That's the only te- real. I mean, West Virginia has looked decent this year, right? But Iowa's the only team above average. Or let's say that's good. A good team. I don't think Iowa's great, but they're a good team. It's the only good team Maryland has played, right? And what, what a painful back-to-back that Maryland has to play Iowa-Ohio State back-to-back on the road for Ohio State also. So I see Ohio State rolling in this game. I really do. I think with Travion Henderson, this run game, I mean, oh, let's talk Maryland's defense now. You look at Maryland's defense. On paper, here's what most people will say. They're number five in the NCAA, number one in the Big Ten with 18 sacks. Ohio State better bring it in pass pro today. Fucking relax, sports media. Cut the film on. They sacked Illinois six times and Kent State five times. They only, uh, only sacked Iowa twice. So their numbers are inflated by Illinois and Kent State. Right? They also have 10 missed tackles a game. They have a solid pass defense. They only allow one per game. But again, that's skewed because of some of these shitty Howard and, and Kent State and Illinois opponents. Right, Against Iowa, Iowa threw three touchdowns against this defense. So this defense is inflated statistically because of the competition they played. I do think their quarterback is a good player, not a great player. I think Ohio State covers. I think this is a 28-point win for the Buckeyes as they start to hit a stride, start to build some confidence going into the Penn State game. That's how I see it. I, I, I think that the pass defense will be tested. They're going to throw it. They're going to have to throw it on us, on Ohio State. They're going to have to throw it down the field. They'll probably hit a deep ball or two. I mean, what, the kid's hitting, I mean, he's accurate on almost 60% of his deep balls. So they're going to hit two. We just, Ohio State just can't let him hit four or five. Right, and they, Ohio State has to tackle. Moral story: They have to tackle. C.J. Stroud looked healthy. Will he look healthy again? Will he make those consistently accurate throws, or will he start skying the ball again? Is it injury, or is it was it injury, or is it actually just kind of his deficiencies as a quarterback right now? We're gonna find out noon tomorrow in the horseshoe. Come hang out with us. Menace of Sports at the Point on Lane. Links are all over social media. Come kick it with us. Have a drink. Get some good food. We'll be down there all day. Um, until after the game, and we'll hang out for a little bit after anyways. But also, real quick, we're going to hear one word from, uh, a word from one of our sponsors, and then we're going to get to kind of the two games of the week. So here's a word from my bookie. The NFL is back in action, and so is winning season at my bookie. With over $500,000 in contest prize money, winning season makes the big games better and the victories even sweeter. Head to mybookie.ag and choose from a variety of boosts, contests, and promotions up for grabs, highlighted by the crown jewel of winning season, the famed MyBookie Super Contest. It only costs $10 to enter. Pick five games against the spread each week. Each win earns you a point, and each point gets you closer to the grand prize. If you missed out on week one, don't even sweat it, because entries are still open, and all it takes is one solid week to get you back in the mix. Don't just take my word for it. Join now and start your winning season with MyBookie today. In order to get you started, make your first deposit at MyBookie.ag and use our promo code, Menace, M-E-N-A-C-E, to instantly receive double your deposit. That's double your money to double your winnings with your first ever deposit using promo code Menace. Bet anything, anytime, anywhere with my bookie. All right, well, let's talk about the first game of the week. I guess you could call it that. The Red River Shootout, and I will forever call it that. Oklahoma, Texas, in a big matchup, right? Oklahoma has has not impressed this year at all. I mean, you look at their schedule. Tulane, Western Carolina, Nebraska, West Virginia, Kansas State really have looked average in almost all of those games, even against Tulane, like even against Nebraska, teams that are 
you know, Oklahoma, if they're in the national conversation, they should roll them. They look very average. And Steve, Steve Sarkeesian has a chance to pull the upset in the Red River shootout. When you look at this, it really is not as close as people are going to make it out to be. I mean, Oklahoma minus three, although they've struggled, is disrespectful, right? What Lincoln Riley is figuring out is he doesn't have Ramondre Stevenson. He doesn't have Joe Mixon. He doesn't have Trey Sermon, those guys that average eight yards a carry. What he has is Kennedy Brooks at running back. Kennedy Brooks is and always has been a four to five yards per carry back. He's Master Teague-esque for Buckeye fans. He's a solid back. He's a hard runner, but he's not a home run threat. He's just not. Oklahoma on offense, they, the, the world really turns on the axis that is Spencer Rattler. I mean, he's got a very average wide receiver core, right? He's got uh, Jaden Hazelwood, Mario Williams, Michael Woods. They obviously lost Theo Weiss. He's out, I think, for the year. So they're struggling at receiver skill. Jaden Hazelwood was like the number one receiver in the country coming out. He has yet to live up to that hype. But Spencer Rattler, when he plays well, they do well. And he's been inconsistent to say the, say the least, right? 25% on deep balls is horrible. They've only thrown it downfield 12, yard, 12 times in five games. Compare that with what we just said about, about Maryland. 12 times in five games against Western Carolina, Tulane, Nebraska, Kansas State. Like, why? Can we launch it down the field a little bit, open this offense up? The answer is no. He's 25% on deep balls. He's not a good deep ball quarterback right now. What he is is he's really good under 20 yards. He completes almost 80% of his passes under 20 yards, and when people blitz him, he makes them pay. He's thrown 10 touchdown passes this year. Eight of them were against the blitz. That's what he is. He makes NFL throws under 20 yards and needs to get better at the deep ball. When people blitz, he gashes them. The other thing that I thought was interesting, well, one, they're decent on third down, 48% conversions. They're number two in the second in the Big 12 uh, touchdowns in the red zone at 75%. That matches up with a horrible Texas defense. We'll talk about that in a second. The thing that I find very interesting about Oklahoma is they haven't fumbled the football once. And I know that, knock on wood, like that's that jinxed it. They'll probably have four fumbles in this game. So sorry if I fucked their whole, their whole season up. But they haven't fumbled the ball once. That's very impressive. And the defense they're going at against is I, below average is almost unfair to the country to call them that. They average 12, Texas averaged 12 missed tackles a game. They have a horrible rushing defense. How about this? They have allow, allowed the highest completion percentage in all of Power 5 football. Power 5 quarterbacks complete 74% of their passes against, or not, 74% of their passes are completed against this defense. Compare that to, Oklahoma has the number two most efficient passing offense in all of Power 5. So the second best in all of Power 5 against the second worst in all of Power 5. I don't know if there's a Spencer Rattler prop for overpassing yards, but Christ, fire it. Fire it. I mean, I already fired the team total over on Oklahoma at 30, I think 31 and a half or 33. I think they'll, they'll get 35 points. Shit, maybe in the first half. How about this for Texas? They've allowed 25 plays of over 20 yards, 25 in five games, five plays a game over 20 yards. That's 97th in the country. Oklahoma on the other side is one of the best in the big 12 at big, big plays, right? Over 10 yard plays. They have 86 of them. So this is the biggest mismatch of the day. This Texas defense is horrid. They're horrible. I think Oklahoma has their way with them when they have the ball. You flip to the other side, Texas is a, Texas has Bajan Robinson. That's what it is, right? They're the number one rushing offense 
in the Big 12 have 12 runs of 20 or 20 or more yards, but Oklahoma has been really solid against against the run. They have. I mean, they they've only allowed one big run on the year. And when you look at this rushing offense, it's really more about who they played. When they played Arkansas, they only averaged 3.4 yards per carry. They had three rushing touchdowns, but this rushing offense, Bijan Robinson's really good. It's not as good as analytics and statistics would tell you when you watch the film. It is really well schemed. Who would have thought with Steve Sarkeesian? Duh. It's very well executed, right? They have the number two third down offense in the country, 55%. The number one uh, highest touchdowns in the red zone percentage of the Big 12, 76%. It is a well put together Steve Sarkeesian offense. It's excellent. Everything they're doing is excellent. They don't have the horses that Alabama had. They don't have the horses, really, that even Oklahoma has. So this is a solid offense, and they're going against a pretty decent defense, an improved defense, right? What Alex Grinch has done in Boomer Sooner land in Norman, Oklahoma, is just improve their defense. They have 121 quarterback pressures total on the year. Exceptional. Right, Nick Benito, the kid from South Florida that I know from recruiting, is one of the best rushers in the in the United States of America. Kind of a linebacker D end hybrid. He has 21 QB pressures by himself. He's phenomenal. He'll cause Texas problems, run game, throw game all day long. They have an average red zone defense, so that that needs to be cleaned up against the number one red zone offense in the Big Twelve. That'll be one thing to watch, right? They're, they're average on third down defense. So this is this is actually a decent matchup. So you look at the offense defense when Oklahoma has the ball. It's not even close. Landslide, Oklahoma rolls Texas's defense all day long. On the other side of the ball, it's a pretty even matchup. Texas might have a slight edge, but it's a pretty even matchup. So the difference in this game is, is what I just said, right? Texas is putrid on defense. Spencer Rattler should look like a god throwing the ball. Bajan Robinson is basically Texas's entire team. I think Oklahoma wins this game, and I think they cover. I think they win by 7 to 10 points in that range. I know you can sometimes bet that. If you bet that, that'll pay off huge. Oklahoma to win by 6 to 10 or 6 to 9 or whatever it is. I'd say if I can get 7 and 10 in there, that's what I'd take. So that's what I think happens in the Oklahoma-Texas game. I think it's uh, Oklahoma rolls, and then and then all the people will be coming out, right? Oklahoma belongs in the top four. They, they're, a, they're a playoff-bound team. That's what they'll say. The 6-0 Sooners in the, in the playoffs once again. That's what the, they'll be calling for. All right, to so our game of the week, Big Ten game of the week, national game of the week. I mean, really, I don't know, game of the week, game of the year so far. Number three, Iowa. Number four, Penn State. This game is, I mean, it's, it's, it's close. It's a tight race. When you look at Penn State on offense, here's Iowa's defense is obviously phenomenal. They're the number one graded defense in pro football focus. 16 total turnovers. They're number one in the country in turnover margin. They've had 12 interceptions in five games. That's ridiculous. They have the number three rush defense in the country, right? And the reason why is because Kent State and Colorado State couldn't run the ball the length of your dick on them. They couldn't. I mean, Maryland ran the ball 5.7 yards per carry and got destroyed. Think about that now. I think they're, the reality is I think Iowa's defense is actually just a little above average, and we'll get to Penn State's offense, but I think they're very average too. I think this is kind of average on average. I do. People are going to tout Iowa's defense to be phenomenal, right? They're below average in the red zone, and they're, they have 13 sacks on the year, which, like I said, uh, when we talked about Maryland, that's deceiving. Yeah, it's great they have 13 sacks. They had seven versus Kent State. Three versus Colorado State. So 10 of their 13 sacks were Kent State, Colorado State. They didn't sack 
uh, Kroger brand Tua even one time. They had zero sacks against Maryland. They're not a good pass rush team. They're just not. They don't blitz hardly at all, and they're not a good pass rush team. So I think that bodes well for Penn State on offense. I mean, I do like Matt Hankins and Riley Moss, the two corners that Iowa has. I will say Riley Moss is the guy everyone will talk about. Three interceptions, four PBUs, and Matt Hankins has two interceptions. They're their duo. The, the reality is Matt Hankins is a really good player. Riley Moss is a good player. Not a really good player, a good player. People attack the shit out of him. That's why he's had so many opportunities, right? He has given up 16 yards a catch. I don't think either of these kids can cover Jahan Dotson. I don't. Jahan Dotson's probably the best or top two, three receivers in the Big Ten. That's not really saying much, right? Chris Olave, Garrett Wilson, Jahan Dotson. That's, that's your three, right? He has zero drops on the year. Zero drops. Four of eight on deep balls. 86% completion percentage when Sean Clifford throws it to him under 20 yards. eighty Almost 90% of the time, the ball goes to Jahan Dotson under 20 yards. It's caught and completed. That's, a, that's ridiculous. Penn State's really... I mean, they... they they handle the football well. They're number uh, number two, second in the Big Ten in turnover margin, 10th in the NCAA. They don't turn the ball over. The, re- the problem is, here's the problem, the Penn State problem, right? They're awful on third down, and they can't run the ball. They cannot run the fucking ball. They had five yards per carry against uh, Indiana, who has the 11th rushing defense in the Big, t- uh, Big Ten. 2.3 yards per carry against Villanova. 2.7 yards per carry against Auburn. yards per carry against Iowa. They just can't. I mean, come on, Villanova? You can't average five yards a carry against Villanova? You're Penn State. I get Auburn. I get Iowa. Indiana, they started the year running the ball well, but Noah Kane has been just just a guy, a jag, as I say, just a guy. He's averaging three yards a carry. They can't run the ball, and they're awful on third down, 13th in the Big Ten, 35% completions or, or conversions on third down. Crazy. Now in the Auburn game, that's why they won the game. They completed 50 or they converted 50% of their third downs. The fact that they can't run the ball is just so anti-Penn State, anti-James Franklin. I mean, you the days of Saquon Barkley and Miles Sanders. It's just, it's a wonder why they can't run the ball. Noah Kane was a big recruit, right? Their offensive line's not bad, but they just can't run the ball. And so it all rests on the shoulders of Sean Clifford. Sean Clifford has been, I would say, a better version of Bo Nix to date. He can't throw the ball to his left. You watch him fundamentally. He doesn't open his hips, doesn't get his shoulder open, doesn't get his vision there. He he's completes 20% of his balls outside the hash on to the left over 10 yards. He's 7 of 18, deep, middle of the field, and right, which is phenomenal, right? Phenomenal. He throws a deep ball, middle of the field, or to the right side of the field. He's 7 of 18. That's exceptional. He's thrown all three of his interceptions versus base defense. One interception in each of his last three games. He threw nine last year, and two of them were to Iowa. So I think that's a key stat. Can Sean Clifford protect the football? Can he protect the football? If he does, like I said, Penn State doesn't turn it over much. They're going to they're gonna come in and win this game. You flip to the other side of the ball, I mean, Penn State's defense has been really good, right? They don't pressure the quarterback much. They're the number four rushing defense, and they allowed 4.6 yards per carry to Auburn, 3.1 to Wisconsin. So they're not a great rush defense. They're a solid rush defense. They are the number three graded defense in the Big Ten per pro football focus. They do have the number one red zone defense in the Big Ten. They only allow one out of three touchdowns in the red zone. So I think this is the matchup right here because Iowa is a little bit of a phony. on Not a phony. They're overrated on defense, and we know their offense is a phony. And so can Penn State's defense rise to the task? That's the question. 
Because you look at Spencer uh, Petrus, he's only thrown one interception this year, and that was to Colorado State. So he protects the shit out of the ball. He doesn't turn it over. Over 10 yards, he's about as average as you would expect him to be. 45% completion percentage. When he's under pressure is when he struggles. This is average QB play, right? He drops from 70% completion to 36% completion. He, he can throw the deep ball decent, 53% adjusted completion percentage. He's, they have allowed 11 sacks this year. So that's, a, that's the issue, right? Penn State doesn't get after the quarterback very well. Iowa doesn't protect the quarterback very, very well. Will that be a strength in one favor, one way's favor? Here's what I do think is interesting. 44% of his throws past the line of scrimmage are under 10 yards in the middle of the field. Think about that. He throws those baby throws, right? We talked about uh, Bryce Young. Those under 10 yards, middle of the field, right in front of you throws. Those are the throws that he makes. Can Penn State make him throw it outside the hashes? Make him push it down the field? If they can, they'll be successful. They're... Iowa's almost as bad as, as uh, Penn State is on, on, on third down defense. 36%, 12th in the Big Ten. Horrible. They're average in the red zone. I just, this Iowa offense is the Achilles heel. So just let's just back it up. Iowa's defense, really good. Not what everyone's making it out to be, but really good. Iowa's offense, not very good. People think it's a little above average. I think it's average at best. The Penn State defense is probably similar to Iowa, right? And the Penn State offense, in my opinion, has big play scoring potential in the throw game with Jahan Dotson. That's just it. That's it. I don't see how Iowa scores points in this game. I think this game hits the under for sure. The teams are very eerily similar, though. I think the difference is Iowa with the ball in the red zone and Penn State versus Penn State, the advantage is Penn State. I think if Sean Clifford cannot turn the ball over, which he's kind of known for protecting the ball, right? One interception the last three games. If he can, if he cannot throw a pick in this game to this this team that is ridden, the coattails of twelve interceptions and sixteen turnovers, Penn State doesn't turn it over normally. If they cannot turn it over in this game, they're going to come out victorious. I don't think Matt Hankins or Riley Moss can cover Jahan Dotson. I think Jahan Dotson has a day. I really do. And I'm taking Penn State to win the game. I think Penn State wins this game and sets up that October 30th matchup with the Buckeyes. In a gambling world, I'm going Oklahoma-Penn State money line parlay out the door. Taking it right now. So there you have it. I told you it'd be a little bit shorter episode. Wanted to give you my thoughts as we're scrambling to get ready for the tailgate. Back to normal programming next week as the Buckeyes go into a bye week. Look out for that. Um, so thank you for tuning in. Thank you for listening. As always, I appreciate you. Hope you uh, got something out of the show. Not the normal hour-long analysis show, but we got you here for about, what, 35 minutes. So uh, thank you for tuning in. Thank you for listening. As always, I appreciate you. Hope you enjoyed it. Hope you learned something. Hope I gave you something. Here's what my hope is on these shows before leading up to the weekend. I hope I gave you a couple things to watch for. When you're watching the game, are you going to watch for when Iowa's in the red zone versus Penn State? Because that advantage should be Penn State. If they can knock them out of the red zone or keep them from scoring, that is what I want you to get out of this show. One thing in each game or two things in each game that you could say, I'm going to watch this. Zach said this would be a key key stat of the game. Sean Clifford interceptions, right? That's another one. So I hope that's what I gave you. I hope it gave you a different lens to watch college football through this weekend. So thank you for tuning in. Thank you for listening. As always, I appreciate you. Hope you were entertained and enjoyed it. And if you didn't, as we say... Go fuck yourself, San Diego. Watches downfield. It's Olave. He's got a touchdown. Ohio State.
Why am I talking to you? You're not even in football. Yeah. Did you even play to the high school level? You took journalism. It's a bunch of nerds interrupting people who know what they're doing. <laughs> it goes to the corner, dies in the corner. He didn't get there. No, they say he did. And Indiana wins. The commissioner could literally punt a baby with his wingtips on. I'm still going to watch on Sunday. Looking for the deep ball. Touchdown, Ohio State. Garrett Olsen. I don't condone the man's actions, <laughs> but it's football. I have to watch it. This is all I have. First down, it's Brees Hall. He doesn't go down. He might go all the way. He stays on his feet again and scores. I wasn't going to hit a woman, but then that guy in the Ravens did it, so I guess it's okay.